Okay, I'm here today with Scott Trulock, the Director of Sports Medicine at Florida State University in Tallahassee, Florida. We're talking about rotator cuff injuries and what they're like. So, Scott, thank you for being here today. And tell us a little bit overall of what uh, what's the purpose of the rotator cuff. What is it? Where is it? Um, we've heard athletes come in and say, I've hurt my rot- rotary cuff. What do I do next? Uh, thanks, Jim. No, it's great to be here and uh, at this meeting and sharing some you know, knowledge with, with everybody. But um, so the rotator cuff is uh, essentially, like I said, it's a cuff of uh, tendinous tissues that blend and kind of surround the head of the humerus. Uh, remember that, you know, the shoulder is a ball and socket joint. So the head of the humerus sits in the glenoid in the socket, and it's a very shallow joint. And as they often say, it's like a, a golf ball on a tee. So it doesn't have a lot of bony stability to it like the hip does. So in this case, a rotator cuff is a, a group of tissues that surround and anchor the head of the humerus in the glenoid. You know, when we look at the shoulder, we think of the big muscles on the outside that help generate force. Uh, but those tendons are attached to the rotator cuff muscles in the back of the shoulder. And everything you do, you need to have those muscles and that cuff stay stabilize the head of the humerus before you're able to make the, the big movements. So we have a lot of athletes that uh, don't want to report an injury. And what's the danger of, of not reporting a shoulder pain that could turn into a, we learned a full thickness tear, partial tears or whatever. Just what are some of the dangers of ignoring the, the signs and symptoms of a rotator cuff injury? Well, you know, in sports medicine, we say it all the time, like obviously we do a lot of rehabilitation of injuries after the fact, but our number one goal is to prevent injuries from happening. And and a lot of times it's, you know, helping keep small injuries from becoming big injuries. So it's not uncommon to have a mild strain of the rotator cuff. And if that's evaluated and cared for properly, which may mean, you know, limiting an athlete's activity for a brief period of time, we can incorporate some exercises to help strengthen that rotator cuff, help it recover and get that athlete back to participation. Now that may take, you know, a couple of weeks or so um, in order to do that. Uh, and not often athletes don't like missing any time at all. But if we don't do that, if that minor injury, that minor, minor strain is not protected and cared for, and that athlete continues to participate, then they're going to end up with, you know, we talked about the full thickness tear, where that's something that they won't be able to rehabilitate. Then they're going to need surgery and they're going to be out for many more months. So it's our job as practitioners to help educate athletes and understand that sometimes a brief pause is, is needed to in order to prevent a, a long-term shutdown from participation. Okay. So after an athlete actually has a rotator cuff surgery, it's a long process depending on the extent of the injury and it could take up to it could take up to six, nine months uh, to get back to a, a full participation level. So how do you keep those athletes motivated and what um, what's the process there to, to keep them engaged in the in the system? Once any type of surgery occurs, you know, our number one goal is to protect that repair. And we know we're going to need to be patient and we're going to need to protect that repair. And that can be frustrating for an athlete in the time that takes. But one thing it's important for us to do, a couple of things. Number one is, you know, we always have a plan. We have a rehab plan over the first couple days and weeks and months. Uh, it's important to share that plan, you know, for an athlete to show them, hey, here's our plan and here's our goals over this week and this month. Uh, and, and, you know, to to have them see that so they can see the big picture and know where they are in the process. That helps them too to know that they are making some progress in achieving goals. So those are 
two things. And then lastly, it's yes, we're protecting that tissue, but we have the whole rest of the body that we can train. And we know that there's a period of time that that repair is going to need to heal, but we want to make sure that the rest of the body is ready to go. So there's lots of other training and exercises that we can do to help the rest of their body uh, be prepared for when that repair is ready for action. Okay. Well, we're all about sports safety. So what tips could you offer to parents, athletes, and coaches as far as a preventative strategy to prevent some of these rotator cuff injuries in the in the first place, such as strengthening, flexibility? Uh, what, are, what are just some basics people can do? Yeah, I think there's a couple things that can be really helpful. You know, we all know athletes, especially young ones, they just want to get up and go play. And that's okay. That's that's their job to want to go play. But what we have to do, meaning coaches and parents and provide, care providers, is we need to have a prevention strengthening plan. You know, anybody that's a thrower, we need to have a plan of making sure they're stretching, that they have normal range of motion, that they're spending time doing that before and after every session. Very simple exercises using TheraBand and surgical tubing where we can isolate the rotator cuff and help build strength preventatively, you know, to prepare them, you know, for the workloads they're going to have. And then other things you can do, it's real important to manage their workload. You hear a lot in professional sports about load management and how different teams are doing that. Well, there's very simple ways of making sure an athlete is not throwing too much, too many innings in too short period of time, that that really is important that we regulate how much they're participating and that we track that. Um, those are things that we can do in communication. You know, again, athletes are not always going to volunteer information. They don't always know what they need to tell us. So whether you're a parent or a provider is be proactive, ask your kid or your, stu- your athlete, how they're doing, ask specific questions if they're having pain and, you know, kids are going to be sore, but if, if they have pain in the same spot and that pain's getting worse every day, then that's when it's time to seek out an athletic trainer or a physician and have them evaluated. Okay, this is very, very helpful. One last question. Um, post, post-throwing, ice today is kind of becoming a little controversial. Mm-hmm. And so what, what are your recommendations uh, for, uh, let's just talk about uh, baseball overhead sports, uh, post-throwing, post-activity. It's very understandable. There's a lot of debate um, as to what's best, and I, I think these are healthy discussions. You know, I think where we are now is when a lot of this, again, depends on how the athlete feels and what's their symptomatic reporting. Uh, if an athlete's reporting pain and we use number scale sometimes, and if let's say they're reporting soreness, but that number's higher and that, that number's increasing, you know, those are the situations where we still think that ice is uh, indicated in those situations where we have escalated inflammation. Uh, if an athlete does their normal workload and they have no pain and they are able to make sure they do some stretching and do some other recovery activities, then it's understandable that ice may not be as indicated there. And then for that athlete, you kind of see how that goes over time. If they continue to, to feel good and not report pain, then I think that makes sense. So I think sometimes we want to have a, a one size fits all, but I don't think in this case it's, it, we can do that. I think we have to go back to what athletes are reporting to us and make decisions based on that information. Okay. Well, thank you very much. We've been talking with Scott Trulock, the director of sports medicine at Florida State University. So thank you for your time today. Thank you. To learn more, go to jaxsmp.com and learn more about the youth sports safety update. Thank you again for joining us. I'm your host, Jim Mackey. Please stay safe out there.